Years ago, when I was 18 years old, I joined the Marine Corps as an infantryman. After boot camp, I was sent to Camp Pendleton's ITB, Infantry Training Battalion. It was here that I met Akins. Aiken was a big dude from Chicago. He was super motivated, and he always tried to take on leadership roles whenever he could. The first interaction that I had with him was during one of our classroom lessons. This other guy and I were bullshitting about something or other, and I don't really remember if the class was about to start or what. But Aikens was sitting right in front of us one row down. He then turned around and told us, Shut the fuck up. To which I then responded, Fuck you, bitch. Now, I'm not the toughest dude around, but I'm not a small dude either. I'm six foot two and I was 205 pounds, around 8% body fat, and I was really big into working out at the time. Although I may not be the most confrontational person, I can throw hands as well if not better than most people. But Akins, he was in an entirely different league. He was a couple inches shorter than me, but he was jacked as hell. And you could tell by his demeanor that he had gotten in fights more than a few times, and he probably won more often than not. I was pretty sure he would probably kick my ass if it came to it. I remember thinking, damn, I hope I don't have to throw hands with that dude later. Now, I realize why some of y'all are probably wondering why I would pop off to a guy that would probably lay me out. Well, honestly... It's one of those things in that kind of culture, if you let one of your peers say shit to you and you don't at least give it back, people will look at you and perceive it as weakness. Honestly, it's better to just fight the guy if it comes to it, even if you do get your ass beat. If your peers see you as a pussy, you're going to get fucked with a lot. Lucky for me, nothing ever came of it. Akins went on to become a machine gunner, and I went on to become a rifleman. Not really a surprise considering how big and in shape he was. He actually wanted to be a rifleman originally, but the machine gun instructor specifically pulled him because of not only how big he was, but also how motivated he was. After ITB, we ended up getting stationed at the same base in 29 Palms in the same battalion, which was 2-7. However, he got assigned to Easy Company while I was assigned to Golf Company. Now, 2-7 had just gotten back from a deployment to the Middle East. Apparently, one of the guys in Fox Company offered himself over in Baghdad. On top of that, another dude apparently found out that his wife had been cheating on him while he was deployed. So when he got back home, he had killed her, cut her up, and then threw her down a mine shaft in the desert. For those of you who don't know, 29 Palms is in Southern California in the middle of the Mojave Desert, and there are several old mine shafts out there. Another guy whose wife had been cheating on him found out where the guy who was messing around with his wife lived and he and a few other guys went to this dude's house and then abducted him. They then took him out into the middle of the desert and beat the ever-living shit out of him. The dude was able to crawl back to the highway and hitch a ride back and then press charges against them. Now, I'm not condoning violence or anything, but maybe if you're going to screw around with someone's spouse, maybe you should at least accept there is a chance that they aren't going to be very happy about it. And you may have some consequences, such as an ass-kicking to deal with. Finally, there was this other dude who happened to be in my peer group. Peer group meaning those of us who were referred to as boots. Which is Marine Corps slang for the new guys that haven't been deployed yet, who all got the fleet around the same time. This guy ended up crying from the hazing on our seniors, 
and actually threatened to commit suicide. I remember being on phone watch in the battalion office and also being assigned to watch over this kid just to make sure that he didn't kill himself. Now, not all of this pertains directly to Aikens, but I figured it was important to give you all a general idea of the culture around there and sort of what goes on. I would see Aikens off and on again throughout the next several months as our battalion worked up towards our next deployment. From what I understand, he didn't get hazed too terribly bad because most of his seniors were simply too scared of him. Plus, he was pretty squared away and he didn't make as many of the boo mistakes as a lot of us did. At least, that was my understanding. I wasn't in the same platoon or even the same company as him, so I don't really know for sure. I heard that he actually slammed one of his seniors up against the wall and then threatened to beat his ass if he didn't fuck off. If most other boots had done this, they would have swiftly gotten their asses kicked by the seniors. Maybe he did later on, but I never really found out. Either way, Aikens ended up being made a team leader as a boot, which was a pretty big deal. He also was in a course with me later on that all lower enlisted have to go through. It mostly just talks about the fundamentals of leadership and ethics and things like that. It can best be summed up as, hey guys, don't commit war crimes, lead by example. Sometimes a good leader knows how to follow and cleaning your barracks room and keeping your uniform in order is the same thing as looking for IEDs in a war zone. All joking aside, there were some really good lessons in there. Aikens, of course, had a lot to talk about, and he contributed to a lot of the group discussions. He ended up being voted most inspirational in the group, and he got a special mention about it at the graduation. Aikens was probably on track to be a career Marine, and he would probably go on to serve a full 20 or more years, and maybe would have become a Marine Raider, Recon, Scout Sniper, or something like that. I don't really know if he had an interest in any of those things, but anyone who knew him knew that he was one of the few people who could definitely do it. He loved being a Marine, and especially loved being a grunt, which for those who don't know, is someone in the infantry. Several months later, the battalion deployed again to the Middle East. On most deployments, a battalion would have its entire area of operations in one area. However, we had a platoon in Jordan, a company in Kuwait, and almost three companies in Iraq as a part of a special purpose Marine Air Ground Task Force, as it was called. My company was in Baghdad this time around, and Aiken's company was in TQ. Of course, when we all got back to the States and were assigned to our new barracks, there was a party nearly every night. We had our post-deployment leave, then we got to take it easy for a while, before we started our next workup for the next deployment. During that time, our battalion had the annual Marine Corps Ball in Las Vegas. Apparently later that night, Aikens had gotten into an altercation with a couple of locals over something. One of his friends who was there with him told us that Aikens had laid both of these dudes out and actually even curb stomped them once they were on the ground. Apparently, both guys seemed to have some broken ribs and possibly had some internal bleeding as well as they were both hacking up blood when Aikens brought down his foot on them. Apparently, Aikens was no stranger to violence. Before the Marine Corps, his brother was injured in a drive-by shooting and later died in his arms. On the flip side of things, however, the guys in Easy Company that knew him best would say he was also the kind of guy who would give you the shirt off his back if he thought that you were cold. One night, Aikens was on the second deck hanging out with some of us. One of the machine gunners named Miller, who was also a former MMA fighter, and apparently done some semi-pro fighting, 
was getting a little pissed off at another machine gunner for some reason. It looked as though Miller was about to lay this guy out. But Aiken stepped in front of Miller, who was way bigger than he was, and was probably one of the only guys in the battalion who could have beat Aikens in a fight. He was able to talk Miller down, and things blew over after that. Later that night, a bunch of local sheriffs and CID vehicles rolled up, lights flashing, and cops started raiding some of the barracks rooms downstairs. Now Easy Company was on the bottom deck of the barracks, and Goff was on the second deck, so he didn't know exactly what was going on or who they were after. A few of my friends and I decided to say screw this, they're going to walk down the barracks and run our night. So we went down the stairs on the opposite side of the barracks CID was at, and then hopped in my truck and then went out to eat, then hang out at one of our married friends' houses, since married guys get houses away from the barracks. A few hours later, we went back to the barracks, and CID was still there. We asked one of the guys in the parking garage what the fuck was going on and why CID was still there. He said that there was a drug bust or something. We then said fuck it and we ended up crashing at our friend's house since it was obvious that the barracks was probably going to be on lockdown for the rest of the night. The next day, everyone was called to the company office so we could listen to our first sergeant then tell us that a marine in our battalion was apparently arrested last night for murdering someone out in town a few days ago. This wasn't exactly news to us, as we had heard a few days ago that some random person was murdered out in town, although we didn't really think much of it, even when CID showed up the night before. 29 Palms is a really crappy town full of crackheads in the middle of nowhere next to a military base, and stuff like this happening isn't exactly a big surprise. Our first sergeant then went on to tell us that the marine who did it was probably a piece of shit that didn't keep his room clean or his uniform squared away. And that's why we need to get our shit together. Typical first sergeant bullshit. A few minutes later, our CO came out of his office and told us that Aikens from Easy Company had murdered two people out in town and that the battalion was having a meeting in the base theater so the battalion commander could inform us about it. Not really sure why we all had to go to the base theater when our CO literally just told us. But whatever. Keep in mind, everyone in the battalion knew who Aikens was and how great of a marine he was. Our CO went on to tell us something about how our need to think about our actions affect more than just us, and that now the battalion will be losing an extremely high caliber marine, and now all of his experience and skill will be missing the next time we deploy. He may have mentioned something about the families of the two people he killed, but I don't think he did. Yeah, that's the Marine Corps for you sometimes. I know it's kind of messed up with everything being said to us. But I couldn't help but laugh to myself about how stupid our first sergeant must feel, saying the marine who did it was probably a piece of shit that didn't keep his room clean, or have his uniform squared away, or some dumb shit like that, and it actually ended up being one of the best marines in the battalion. So we went to the assembly, and the BC basically confirmed everything our CO had told us. Apparently, Akins was in sort of a friends with benefits relationship with one of the bartenders out in town. A few nights earlier, Aikens was at this woman's house with her, her mom, and her 10-year-old daughter. And for whatever reason, Aikens shot the woman while they were both just laying in bed. When her mother came running to the room, he shot her in the leg, then in the head right in front of the 10-year-old. And then he fled the scene. Thankfully, he left the child alone. The daughter later ended up telling the police that Aikens was the man who killed her mom and grandmother. No one seemed to have a definite answer as to why he did it. Some guys said she gave him HIV, 
while others said she cheated on him while he was deployed. I honestly doubt it was because of cheating if it was just a friends with benefits relationship, but I don't really know, I guess. I'm really ashamed to admit that later when we were off for the day, I remember a bunch of us jokingly chanting, free my man Akins, even though we all knew he was a murdering piece of shit. Some of the other guys though would say things like, well yeah, that's why you don't leave witnesses. That one I didn't find as funny. I guess because it was referring to the kid directly. A lot of Marines, especially the grunts, seem to have a fucked up sense of humor like that. Now, this next part is not me trying to justify what Akins did or why we joked about it like assholes. I'm really just theorizing why these things seem to happen all the time and why we end up trying to make a joke about it. I guess when you take a bunch of guys that are mostly teenagers or in their early 20s and not only expose them to a bunch of fucked up shit, but also control most aspects of their lives by treating them like livestock or children and making them play a bunch of stupid fuck-fuck games on a regular basis, people are going to snap with serious consequences. Honestly, I really think that many of them may have just had the mindset that the world is a shitty place filled with shitty people who do really horrible things all the time, and that if something like this happened, at least it only happened to some crackhead slut in town. Now, I'm not saying it was right or that's who the woman was. It just seemed like that's how I was looked at. It's like we forgot how to empathize with our fellow human beings. Like if we try to paint them as something worthless or less than human, we can tell ourselves what we do or what happens to others isn't so bad. Like when we characterize the woman as a crackhead slut and not a daughter and a mother. Our friend that we admired killed some crackhead slut and not a human being who was someone's mother and someone's daughter. A few months later, we found out Wally was locked up awaiting his trial. Akins apparently raped his own cellmate. I don't know why he did that either. From what I heard, he just got fucked up while he was locked up. Maybe that had something to do with it. Like maybe he was trying to establish dominance or something. I don't know. And I don't really care too. If that's not shocking enough, apparently when the BC went to do an exit interview with him, he found out that Akins had apparently pled not guilty and was so sure that he would get away with it he was trying to talk with BC about getting back with Easy Company. A couple of years later, I got out and I was living with my now wife when she showed me an article her mom had sent her. Lo and behold, it was about Akins. She and her mom were shocked to read the article. I told them that I knew him and he was hanging out with us and actually stopped a fight from happening a couple of hours before he was arrested. Later, I filled her in on the rest of what I knew about him. Akins was found guilty of two counts of murder, and he was sentenced to two life terms without parole for the murders, as well as two consecutive terms of 25 years for using a firearm to commit the murders. The child appeared in court to testify against Akins. That poor girl now has an emotional support dog because she was so traumatized by everything that happened. I don't know why, but typing that last sentence choked me up a little bit, and it still gets to me years later. Maybe it's because of the fact that an innocent child was so traumatized and scared from watching her mother and grandmother being murdered. And now she has this dog, whose sole purpose in life is to be there for her and to help her cope with everything she's been through. Dogs really are amazing animals. It's really no wonder why they are man's best friends. Be safe out there, everyone, and appreciate your friends and family around you. You never know what kind of evil person may one day take them away from you.
Back in 2019, I was working for a private firm that did security. One of my tasks was to make sure that my designated areas was safe. One day I got a call that there was a man trying to break down the gate of a neighboring business with a brick. I responded, and I found the man. I knew the second that I saw him that this was going to be a really bad day. He had the crazy eyes. You know the kind I'm talking about. The kind of fellow who never came back fully from Woodstock, if you catch my drift. When I arrived, he was incredibly hostile. He had already smashed a fully locked car gate down with a brick, so I knew whatever this lunatic was on, it wasn't going to be fun convincing him to piss off. He had his hands held behind his back, and I told him to take a step backwards, as I really didn't want to have to mace him. He seemed to disregard not just what I was saying, but me entirely. It was as if he didn't even realize that I was there. He just kept yelling something about how he needed to see the assholes inside who were trying to stop him from moving on with his life. I told him he wasn't going anywhere until I could see his hands. He looked at me full of rage, and he then dropped the brick that he had been holding behind his back on the floor. I called a team to bag me up, and together we successfully removed the man from the business. But he kept yelling and screaming that this was far from over, and he'd be back. I didn't see him again until a few months later on one of my days off. I was walking around a shopping mall, and the same man was walking around the aisle with a cart in front of him. He looked directly at me, and then said, Hey, don't I know you from somewhere? I looked at him and said, Nope, must be someone else. You have a good day though. I finished my shopping as quickly as I could and then left before he could remember that just a few months before, I had been inches away from him caving my head in with a brick that he had been squirreling away behind his back. I really hope that I never have to see that sorry bastard again. Before I get started, I would like to give some information about me when this took place. My name is Eric and I'm a 16 year old male from Alabama. Around the time this story took place, I was 8 years old, and it was on Halloween night. We were going to my grandma's house, as she usually cooks dinner on special occasions or holidays such as Halloween and Thanksgiving. Now for the story. We were driving to my grandma's house, and we had pulled into the subdivision that she lived in at the time. This place was pretty far out there, and I live in Alabama, so places that aren't near a city can get kind of sketchy. We took a right, and me and my sister in the back saw these strange men in costumes. One had a Michael Myers mask on, and the other men had random horror masks on. The men had real knives in their hands, not the fake ones that you can get from Spirit Halloween. My dad, upon seeing the men, told my mom to reverse the red Mustang GT because the men started literally running the car at full speed. My mom revs up her engine, puts it in reverse, and she sees the men keep running at the car, holding the knives up in their hand. She then puts it into drive and floors the gas pedal, going directly towards the men. They jump to the side and I look out the window beside me in hopes that I would see the attackers. All I saw was that damn Michael Myers mask. That man still horrifies me to this day. Thankfully we got to my grandma's house safely and we called the cops when we pulled in her driveway. They said they had already received multiple reports on these men, 
and that the authorities were being dispatched. We then hung up the phone and we went inside to eat. We had a great meal and we then said our goodbyes about an hour later. We started on the way back home and we saw at least seven police cars about a block away from where the men were chasing us. We went to go see if the men had been arrested as we were really terrified and we wanted to see them in handcuffs. The men indeed were detained and they were put in handcuffs. The last thing I saw of that scene was the man in the Michael Myers mask. He was now unmasked and his face looked terrible. It looked like he had done many drugs and his eyes, they stared right at me with a malicious intent. Two years later, I asked my mom if she remembered that night and she told me that those men murdered a group of teenagers that same night. I'm just really glad we were in the car. God only knows what would have happened if we weren't. And for those men that chased us down that night, I hope you all have fun on your life sentences. Stay safe, everyone. People these days really are insane. 